We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're making stops in Baltimore and Buffalo on our second to last episode of the 2023 projection series on Roto Viz Radio. What's up, Roto Viz? Welcome into the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. I'm Dave Cabin, one of the owners at Rotoviz. Back with our second to last projection series episode in advance of the 2023 fantasy football season. If you've been following along, I appreciate it. You know the caveats, you know how this works. And we are just going to jump right into things. Keep in mind, I likely recorded this maybe four to five days before you're going to listen to it. So unless there's any major news changes, some of those smaller items may not get reflected in what we talk about. All right, we will start in Buffalo, in western New York, a very cold, snowy place. Talking about a team that went 13-3 and last year. Should be a very strong team in the NFL this year. And last year, despite going 13-3, and actually ran 27 plays below league average, passed 57 times, rushed 40, or passed 57% of the time, rushed 43% of the time. This year... Uh, I have the team rebounding in terms of play volume. Back in 2021, they were 80 plays above league average. 2020, 45 above. 2019, 65. And that's not to say that things are exactly the same, but I do think with a very solid offensive team like Buffalo is, um, with how I would expect the defense to be able to play and the game scripts that they'll be in, I'm going to put them... 50 plays above league average. Now, I would not have any issue with somebody saying that might be too much of a correction. Uh, And honestly, I think that if you looked at projections that other people are doing, you're probably going to see me having them passing maybe somewhere like 35 to 50 times more than other people. 
But still, though, when you look at 643 passing attempts, 462 rushing attempts for a team like Buffalo, I don't think it feels unreasonable. So as a reminder, Josh Allen last year rushed for an additional 762 yards and seven rushing touchdowns. He has been at six or more rushing touchdowns every year since 2018. Definitely does a lot of damage with his legs. I have him a little over 600 yards this year on a rushing share of 24%. And on top of that, I expect him to punch in around six rushing touchdowns. Now, the 24% rushing share for him actually could be low. He was around 29 last year, 27 the year prior, 26 the year before. Two years before that, he was at 25 and 24. So you might quibble with that a little bit, but um, you know he's in that same range with Hertz, Mahomes, and Allen where I don't think we need to worry so much about exactly the number of rushing touchdowns we all know he should be in that top three, and it's really your personal preference. I personally, uh, you know, from a projection standpoint, have it going Hurts, Mahomes, and Allen, and I think that's how I would draft them. Uh, but I think that there are reasons for anybody to make a case for any of the of that trio being the quarterback that they like the most. Now, that twenty four percent passing share leaves a little less available to the running backs on the team than you have with a lot of other teams. Now, I see James Cook leading this backfield um, being a pretty interesting option this year. If you look at what Cook did last year, now keep in mind, the backfield was a little bit different. Devin Singletary is no longer in Buffalo. Cook, as a rookie, had a rushing share of just 21% a target share of 6%, put up 5.7 yards per carry and two rushing touchdowns. I would have him closer to a 45 to 50% share somewhere in that range this year. For our baseline, we'll look at 45%. I do think we see him getting more involved. Um, as a receiver, Naheem Hines is not going to be available to the team this year. Damian Harris doesn't look like a guy that's going to be catching a lot of passes. They have Latavius Murray and a couple other backs on the roster. But James Cook should be seeing a nice uptick in receiving work. Despite a rushing share just, rushing share just 21% last year, did have a target share of 6%. I think a move up to 10% is completely fair. Would expect him to be pretty efficient in terms of yards per carry. Um, should be decent in terms of rushing touchdowns as well, I would expect. This puts him with a line of almost 1,000 yards, six rushing touchdowns, an additional 48 receptions, two receiving touchdowns, and 360 yards. Now, Damian Harris, with a rushing share of 22%, should still see more than 100 rushes. I think he'll be efficient with his work, too. And though there's fewer rushes, I still wouldn't be shocked if he punches in um, six rushing touchdowns. So if we look at where the baseline projection for these two backs lands them, you have James Cook coming in at RB13, which might be higher than a lot of what you're going to see out there via other projection sets in the industry. And 
we can explore a little bit about how that might be too high or why. I think a lot of people have him closer to back-end RB2. Uh, and then Damian Harris is going to look more like the RB45 to RB55. So a couple of things that you could do that would impact that projection for Cook. I could be too high on play volume. Maybe you scale back the rushing attempts to like 425. Right? And then you you scale back the passing attempts to maybe 630. That puts them right around league average in terms of plays. Those tweaks push James Cook back to RB15. So it's not going to come so much from team play volume, but more from rushing share or target share. Remember, we had him at 45%. To really move the needle down for him, I think you maybe you put him at a rushing share of 42%, and you assume that his target share only goes up to an 8% target share. This gives him a line of 837 rushing yards, five rushing touchdowns. Remember, this is on the scaled back numbers in terms of team total. So 837 rush yards, five rushing touchdowns, 38 receptions, two receiving touchdowns, and 285 receiving yards. Those adjustments make a pretty substantial impact, and then you have him coming in at RB24. And I would say I am incorporating a lot of downside into that. So if you are of the opinion that James Cook should be the back that the team wants to use in the majority of its situations, then I think that you should really like James Cook in comparison to his ADP, which on many platforms floats somewhere uh, around that back-end RB2 type of zone. At that ADP, he has pretty substantial upside, I would argue, and I would say that there's not too much downside there. So really, Cook is not an intriguing option only in the case that you just really don't think there's any way he comes, a, a, you know, comes away with an outside share of work in comparison to Damian Harris. So you'd probably have to see him with a rushing share of around like 30%, Damian Harris somewhere around 30%. And even in that configuration, we see James Cook coming in at RB31. And that is on scale back plays, significantly scaled back rushing work. Okay. I'm going to quickly close out here and go back in so that when we roll up Josh Allen, we don't have those numbers in there. Um, as I mentioned, Josh Allen's numbers, very solid. James Cook's numbers looking very solid. We also have Stefan Diggs, who should be one of the more exciting options and a couple other exciting potential, uh, receiving plays here. Uh, Diggs, though, is where we will start. I have him with a target share of 27% in 2023. If you look back to last year, he was at 28%. In 2021, he was at 26%. Um, has averaged somewhere around like 12 yards per reception and over 
um, and a receiving touchdown percentage over 8% in his three years with Buffalo. So a target share of 27%, that would be in line with what we've seen, around 12.5 yards per carry. A healthy receiving touchdown rate of around 8% would get Stefan Diggs to 1,475 receiving yards, 118 receptions, and nine receiving touchdowns. And in his baseline projection, he comes in as the wide receiver six. So how could he miss it? Well, let's say that the team runs... Instead of 643 passing attempts, they only run around 615, okay? And he has a catch rate of 68% assigned to him. Let's drop that down to like a catch rate of 66%. I think that the lowest you would see the target share go outside of a, a season with some type of major lingering injury, maybe a 25% target share. This backs him down to eight receiving touchdowns. And let's try to put him with a receiving touchdown rate of 7%, which drops him down a touchdown. If we make all of those adjustments, he becomes the wide receiver 12 in a baseline projection. So we've talked a lot about these high-level receivers. Obviously, most of them don't have too much of a downside. But I think what you're looking at with Diggs is a player that could go from wide receiver 4 to wide receiver 12 in the overwhelming majority of outcomes. But what does that leave for the other receivers on the team? Well, Gabe Davis, I have with a target share of 15% this year, firmly entrenched as the team's wide receiver 2. Last year, he had a target share of 18%, was really good as a touchdown scorer. In fact, he's been at 18, 17, and 15% in terms of receiving touchdown percentage since entering the league back in 2020, going for seven receiving touchdowns, six receiving touchdowns, and then seven receiving touchdowns. I have him at six receiving touchdowns this year. Not very efficient in terms of catch rate, but efficient in terms of yards per reception, where he has been at 15.7 yards or higher every year in his career. That's coming on more than 60 targets a season. So I have him in the projection for 14 yards per reception. You could play with that a little bit, but it won't really shift things for him. Uh, this baseline... Puts Gabe Davis at wide receiver 54, which might be a bit of a letdown. But really what's driving this is you have 92 targets going his way, but only 51 receptions. As a result of that in PPR scoring, obviously it's bringing you down some, but it's also preventing him from really capitalizing on those yards per catch that he could put up, um, you know, there's kind of that compounding factor of not having a very high catch rate. Let's talk about though, what happens to that projection? If he did get to like 15 and a half yards per reception, we hold him with a target share of 15. And instead of six touchdowns, we bump him up to receiving touchdown share of 15%, which gives him an additional two touchdowns. That would make Gabe Davis finish somewhere around the wide receiver 46. The final thing that we could do would be to up his target share to 18%. And that final tweak with all those other bumps that we've given him would place him in at wide receiver 34. 
So from a projection standpoint, Gabe Davis, I think on many platforms is being a little bit overvalued. Um, normally being the wide receiver 34 to maybe 38, maybe some places, some drafts will see him go 32 or 33. I do think that you have a lot of week to week upside, which might be kind of nice, but from a pure redraft perspective, I think for him to beat his his ADP, a ton of things need to go his way. Now, I do think that it's possible that we see him come in with maybe even like a 14% target share. Um, but I think what people would be curious about is what, what can we do to see if Khalil Shakir, Deontay Hardy, uh, Trent Sherfield, any of the other wide receivers in Buffalo get really nice target shares? Well, that's hard to do. Um, because I think that between the two tight ends, we see both of them get around a target share of 10 to 9%. So for the wide receiver three, to get a nice healthy target share, they really need to be substantially above the other players. Now, I was hoping that it could be Shakir, uh, but it's looking like Hardy or Sherfield might have better chances of finishing as the wide receiver three, but I think really what you see is all of them finished with somewhere maybe between like 8 to 11%. We saw where Davis was able to finish as a result of that. I don't see any of these players having much relevancy across the season unless one of them wins it outright, which at this point in time, I think it's hard to say who that would be. So if I were interested in getting a piece of this offense in the receiving game outside of Diggs or if you were into Davis, I think it would come from Knox or Dalton Kincaid. Now, I don't think that I'm that far off from what a lot of people would have with both of these guys earning a share of somewhere around 10%. Uh, if you look at what Knox did in 2022, he had a target share of 13%, was at 13% the year before, but it does look like Kincaid should be able to come in and contribute early, at which point I think that there's some utility in these players in that there's a lot of touchdown potential there for them, which we love at tight end. I think between the two of them, you could see them put up seven to nine receiving touchdowns, but you'd have to assume it's probably a fairly even split, um, which if that bears out, I think that you could see one of them get to maybe a middling tight end two, uh, but it might be hard to reasonably project one of the players above it. I will say in my baseline projection for Dawson Knox, which assumes just a target share of 10%, a healthy catch rate, and four receiving touchdowns, he does look like the tight end 18. Of course, though, you do have to wonder... Well, actually, I'm looking at that with some of the passing numbers backed off. Um... And if you add in a higher play volume for the Bills, actually, he stays relatively flat there. Um, so I think what I was going to say was you do have to wonder how much upside you could assign to one of them um, outside of an injury. And I would say it's probably not too great. 
But as far as tight ends go this year, um, I think either of them could be interesting as your backup tight end on a redraft squad if you had the ability to carry two tight ends. From a uh, best ball perspective, I, I really like Dawson Knox this year, uh, especially that he's going a lot, maybe like eight to nine to 10 picks after Kincaid, which makes him a pretty interesting play. So if we come back now, and wow, we spent a lot of time in Buffalo, but I think that there's a lot of important things there for us to consider. Uh, if we come back to Buffalo and we look at Josh Allen, you finish with 4,752 passing yards, 30 passing touchdowns, 14 interceptions, 610 rushing yards, and six rushing touchdowns. This puts him approximately six points behind Patrick Mahomes and approximately 17 points ahead of Lamar Jackson. There's one more thing I wanted to mention about Buffalo, but I cannot recall it right now. Oh, I know what I wanted to look at. Let's just quick, quickly take a look at the number of passing touchdowns that Allen has put up. He was at 35 in 2022, 36 in 2021, 39 in 2020. I think it would be fair to push back on the 30 passing touchdowns and say, hey, like that might be too low. And if it is too low, of course, maybe I'm too low on something for Hertz or Mahomes, then you might see him looking more like the QB1 in this projection, but I don't think that anybody doesn't view the a QB one finish as something that's outside of what you might realistically expect for a player like Josh Allen at this point in his career. One of my absolute favorite things in the entire world is attending a live event. The atmosphere, the sound, all the little intricate details you can see when you're there live in person. It is just an amazing time. One of the biggest downsides though of it can be the stress in trying to find tickets before the event to make sure you get the best seats. And that is where game time comes in. Buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for sports, music, comedy, and theater theater near you with killer deals on last minute tickets and their best price guarantee you can stop stressing over tickets and start getting hyped for the fun that you're about to have game time is the place to get those last minute ticket deals and it's the fastest growing ticket app in the country for a reason exclusive flash deals on all the events coming up and you can buy tickets in a matter of seconds two taps and you're set and you can snag tickets today without the stress with game time download the game time app create an account and you Use the code RODOVIS for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code RODOVIS for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets. Lowest price guaranteed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, let's head to Baltimore. This is a team that went 10 and 7 last year. In terms of play volume, it was actually 15 plays behind league average, which was interesting because in 2021, We saw it run 95 more plays than league average. I have this team kind of rebounding similar to Buffalo uh, going nearly 70 plays above league average. Now, I would not bet a huge sum of money on either of these teams actually going that far ahead of league average, but what it does do is I think it gives some potential here to the players in this offense with the way that these projections are working to capture some of the idea that they are playing in a very good offense in their projection. Could be right, could be wrong, but I have found that that uh, is one of the better ways to go about doing your projections. And we could go into that more, but that's not what we're here for exactly. We're just trying to take a look at what I have here in the numbers for the Ravens. So Lamar Jackson, I have assigned a rushing share of 28%. Might seem a little bit high, uh, but if you look at his rushing market share from recent seasons, he was at 31% last year, a ridiculous 39% in 2021, uh, somewhat due to circumstances that year, 31, 32, 27 in the years prior. I think 28 makes sense. Given a pretty high rush volume here, 518 rushing attempts for the team, which I forgot to mention that um, last year we saw this team run 52% of the time, 46% of the time the year before, 58% of the time in 2020. I have a passing to rushing split here, 54 and 46. Um, It's a significant volume for Jackson as a rusher, 145 rushes, 870 rushing yards. I assigned him four rushing touchdowns. If you're interested in what he has done in recent seasons, he was at just three in 2022, only two in 2021, of course, that those were both 12-game seasons. When he played 16 games in 2020, he was at eight rushing touchdowns. Uh, so the four could be kind of low, but I think it's okay for the context of this projection. That, uh, similar to Buffalo, does not leave a great deal of work to the running backs. When J.K. Dobbins is at full strength and fully involved for this team, I think we see him handle approximately 47% of the team carries. 
doubling up Gus Edwards, who I think early in the year, many would expect would be more involved uh, than he will towards the end of the year. So you have Edwards with a rushing share of 22%, Dobbins with a target share of 7%. If you look at his target shares from the two seasons he's been with the team in 2020, you had him at 7%, you had him at 4% in eight games in 2022. He should be very efficient as a rusher. Um, based on what you see in prior seasons this year, I went a little bit more conservative uh, for both of the backs in this offense, keeping them a little bit closer to the league average than I might have in other years in terms of yards per carry, but both very strong in terms of rushing touchdown percentage. I actually have J.K. Dobbins with eight rushing touchdowns, Gus Edwards with four. Dobbins eclipses 1,000 yards, also adds two receiving touchdowns, 30 receptions. This line for him... Though that might sound pretty strong, gets him to bear with me here for a second. Running back 17, which actually I think might be ahead of what many would expect for him. And uh, Gus Edwards with that share, it looks more like the RB 51, of course. Edwards' value comes from the possibility of there being weeks that he is the back that gets more of the work and it's kind of featured that week. Um, I do find myself liking to put Edwards onto my teams, uh, especially in teams where I'm only going to have five running backs as my last running back. I haven't enjoyed putting Dobbins on my teams, especially a little bit earlier in the year when there was a pretty significant reduction um, in his ADP. Not sure if those are unexpected or not, but I do imagine that many would find what goes on at wide receiver to be more interesting. Now, I think it's important that you start here by looking at Mark Andrews, who should be the team's main target in the receiving game. Last year, he earned a target share of 29%, 27 in 2021, 26 in 2020, 25 in 2019. Should not come as a surprise. I have him at a target share of 27% this year. As far as tight ends go, should be pretty darn efficient. And he looks to me like the definitive tight end two behind Travis Kelsey. That said, in a baseline projection, you would have Kelsey significantly ahead of Andrews because there's a delta there of four receiving touchdowns with Kelsey getting 11, Andrews getting seven, you could push back on that some, but I think there's probably not too much of an argument with having these guys one and two with some favor to Kelsey. So this doesn't leave um, a whole lot of share available to the wide receivers after you've accounted for the running backs maybe taking up somewhere around 16 to 17% of targets. Andrews at 27 Still expect that uh, likely would maybe get target share of around 6%. So I have Zay Flowers leading the team in terms of receptions with 16%. Gave him five receiving touchdowns. That'd be 97 targets, around 65 receptions. 
Then I have OBJ and Rashad Bateman, each with a target share of 13%, each of them around three and a half receiving touchdowns, decent yards per reception, pretty decent receiving touchdown rates. And unfortunately, this does not get any of them inside the wide receiver three range. In fact, Zay Flowers at wide receiver 47 looks to have the strongest projection with OBJ at 74, Rashad Bateman at 77. So where do you capture upside on this team? Well, I think if Zay Flowers, for example, could approximate a 20% target share, we could see him make a little bit of a jump at which point he would become bear with me for a second here. Uh, let me search for it. Flowers would become the wide receiver 28. Um, I think it's also worth looking at what happens in the case of Beckham and Bateman. Now those guys are fairly similar in terms of the efficiency expectations. As a result of that, let's just look at what would happen for Beckham. If he could go from a 13% share to an 18% share, or Bateman for that matter, you'd probably be looking at a finish of closer to wide receiver 46. So... I like Flowers the most out of these guys. Uh, I'm not expecting any of them to be major surprises um, or viewing them as players with tremendous upside. Maybe you could spin some reasons that it's there. Um, But I don't feel that in many of the outcomes that you're going to have, you're going to see any of these guys really get outsized receiving numbers in comparison to other players that are out there. I guess the one thing that's probably worth noting too here is I could be way too high on the number of passing attempts that this team has with them going over 600, given that last year the team only had 503 passing plays. So this would be a pretty big jump forward. Um, I'm kind of going out on a limb there. So that's probably worth noting too, because if I'm wrong with that number, and even if you make some shifts, I think that you're still going to end up with all of these wide receivers going ahead of where they should. I think behind the three that I mentioned, you know, Nelson Aguilar, Devin Duvernay, maybe could capture like nine, 10% target shares. Uh, But given what we've said about the other wide receivers, they're probably not players that you should really even be going after uh, late in drafts all right that gets us through baltimore and buffalo all we have left now are atlanta and arizona i hope that you will be back for that uh, episode and i look forward to talking to you then thank you for listening to the rotoviz fantasy football show send us questions at rvffshow at gmail.com follow us on twitter at dave cabin ff and at cpatricknfl Leave us a voicemail at 978-615-9214 and make sure to rate, review, and subscribe.
everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.